Our call to worship this evening is found in the words of Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord. We're going to sing praise to God from Psalm 111. We're singing the opening five large verses and the tune is 106. Let's praise God. Oh, praise the Lord with all my heart, I will the Lord extol. Within the castle of the just and congregation the works that I the Lord are done are that he lived in the great sacrifice that he offered up 
and his resurrection from the dead and ascension into heaven. We thank you that throughout history, you, mighty God, have been applying that work of Jesus Christ to the hearts and lives of men and women and boys and girls. And we thank you today that your cause has not been thwarted in any way, but that your kingdom today has been advancing throughout this earth and that your word is not closed up. We confess our sins before you, O Lord. Forgive us our lack of trust in you. Forgive us our small thoughts of you. Forgive us that so easily our mind is taken away to other things and preoccupied with them. And we pray that on this Lord's day, our lives will have been continually recalibrated by your word. Bless our worship, Lord. You know that we would long to be all present physically in the one place. We thank you that you're the God beyond time and that as we meet around your word individually or in families to worship you, we thank you that there is that community worship of you ever in the, in the presence of the ever-present God. And so we pray that you'd minister to us by your word and by your spirit. We ask it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We're continuing our study in the book of Ruth this evening, and we're coming this evening to look together at Ruth chapter 3, and we want to read this chapter in its entirety. You remember the setting of the, the book of Ruth, uh, set in the days of the judges. Uh, some speculate it was in the days of Gideon, difficult and dark days. And yet God was working out his plan of redemption, planning to send his, his son, the Savior, through the line of David. Nothing would hinder that. Uh, and planning to bless this little family uh, with a Redeemer. So let's hear God's word. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative, with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he is finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight the man was startled and turned over and behold a woman lay at his feet. He said, who are you? She answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. He said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. 
For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she laid his feet until the morning, but arose before one, one could recognize another. He said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment that you are wearing and hold it out. So he held it and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back and be handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Well, we pray together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the great access that we have to you in prayer through your Son, our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we rejoice that because of his finished work and because of your grace that we've been united to him by faith, you hear our prayers. We acknowledge, mighty God, that we don't really fully understand how you Use our prayers in the unfolding of your great plans. But you have told us to pray. You have told that, you're, that you work and answer to our prayers. And so, Father, we come to pray this evening for our nation and indeed for the nations of the earth. Come, coming to ask you that in your might and power that you might turn away this pandemic sweeping the earth that you might stay it, that you might give help to the nations of the earth, that men and women would be rescued increasingly from its effects. We pray also, mighty God, that in these dark and difficult days, that you might be speaking uh, through your words and by your spirit into the lives of the nations of the earth. We pray that you'll equip your church in speaking out in these days. And that many would be able to hear of the, of the good news of the great Redeemer, Jesus Christ. We pray, Heavenly Father, that the world might see in your people that your people have found rest in him, find peace in him, find that he is providing all that we need for life and for eternity. We pray that you would help us this evening as we hear your word read and explained and apply to our lives, that you would transform us by it, that we would have greater thoughts of Jesus Christ and worship and glorify his name. We pray that you would go with us into this week, protect in a very special way those whom we know and love involved in uh, medical care in all its different dimensions. We pray that you would give grace in all its widest ways, O Lord, to those who are, have this calling in these days, that they would know you and your help. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. 
Well, it'll help you this evening to have this uh, a part of the story of Ruth open up before you in Ruth chapter 3. I've entitled this Rest in the Redeemer. I know the date is now past, but you will know also the tradition that there is in some cultures that on the 29th of February, a lady may propose to an eligible man seeking marriage. Apparently, it all started with St. Patrick. Uh, I presume that's about as believable as the snake's idea with Patrick. But anyway, that's where it's said to be started, that one day he heard a complaint from a woman about a man taking too long in popping the question. And so Patrick authorized this, uh, this way of a woman finding uh, uh, someone to provide for her. Uh, it became such a powerful tradition that it even made its way. I'm not sure if it's still the case, but for a time it was part of Scottish law. And that if a man refused a, a proposal of marriage from a woman on the 29th of February, he could be fined either a kiss or a silk dress. Well, Ruth obviously knew nothing of these strange idea, ideas and customs of our land. But in this chapter, she does make a proposal to Boaz of marriage. You'll see in verse 9 of this chapter, she says to Boaz, spread the, you may have in your translation, the corner of your garment or your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And that was her way of saying she wanted Boaz to be her lifelong provider. You remember the backstory to this, that Ruth and Naomi had arrived back in Bethlehem, penniless, and with zero prospect for the future. They were without uh, husbands to provide for them, and their whole family line was on the verge of disappearing. In the providence of God, they had come into contact with a man called Boaz, who was a kinsman redeemer, a near relative, who under God's law had the opportunity to redeem this man, be a husband to the widow Ruth, and provide for them and to bless their heritage. It was through the kindness of Boaz that Naomi and Ruth already had food. But although they had food in the table, they still felt vulnerable. Their future was uncertain. And perhaps as you listen this evening, you feel like that. Vulnerable with a sense of uncertainty amidst this current crisis. And this chapter helps us in the most wonderful graphic way, not only to think of Jesus Christ, our great Redeemer, the one greater than Boaz, but to tell us that we're to run to this Redeemer for all our rest. The Bible storyline is the storyline that is all about Jesus Christ. God using different types of literature to teach us about Jesus Christ. And in this wonderful story of covenant love, we have this great illustration of a Redeemer much greater than Boaz the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. So as we follow the storyline of this third chapter this evening, we want to notice as we reflect on it, two things. First of all, seek the Redeemer for rest. Seek 
the Redeemer for rest. Naomi is a godly woman. Some commentators are very unkind to her, uh, talking about her being a schemer. Nothing could be further from the truth. We've seen the humility of this woman, a woman of strong faith. And her faith had been strengthened by the provision that God had already made. And she knew that Ruth needed more than grain. She knew that Ruth needed a provision for her future. Naomi wouldn't be around forever for her. And Naomi was looking way beyond into the future and seeing the great need for Ruth to have a redeemer. So Naomi had a plan. A plan, no doubt, that she thought about and pondered. In verse 1, she says to, uh, to, to Ruth, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you? that it may be well with you. Some translations have there, should I not seek a home for you? The, the original word uh, has that involved in it. It is the idea of harmony, of, hope, of wholeness, of peace. And no doubt, a home and a husband was what Naomi had in mind for Ruth. And Naomi was urging Ruth, to go and to find this rest, this redemption, through the, the near relative that had come across their path, the man called Boaz. Naomi has thought out a plan. She tells, verse, she tells in verse 2, uh, Ruth, that Boaz is a relative. That was the important connection for Ruth, that this was a man whom, according to God's law, could provide the rest that she needed. She knows exactly, Naomi knows exactly where he'll be. He'll be winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. The harvest is over. The threshing of the harvest was, was now taking place. And she tells Ruth to, to wash. Uh, verse 3, anoint yourself, put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. You shouldn't see anything sinister in that. She's simply telling uh, Ruth to, to go and dress herself, to lay aside her widow's clothes, and to dress in a way that will inform this godly man, Boaz, that she is one who is available for marriage. Naomi has thought it all out, where Boaz will be, what Ruth is to do, and, and Ruth, as the godly woman that she has, respects her elders and says to Naomi in verse 5, all that you say, I will do. And it's not difficult to imagine the scene that then unfolds. Boaz, exhausted from his day's work, he has had something to eat and something to drink, and he lies down in the darkness and sleeps soundly. And Ruth comes tiptoeing into the, into the scene. In verse 7, we read, Then she came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Well, poor old Boaz uh, was in for a shock in the middle of the night as he's startled and finds this young woman lying at his feet and uh, no doubt there was a, a, a tone of surprise when he says in verse 9, Who are you? Uh, shocked by what uh, uh, is unfolding. 
And it seems then that Ruth, uh, no longer holding to the plot line that Naomi had planned, uh, Naomi had said to, said to Ruth to go down and to wait, and Boaz will tell you what to do. Uh, Ruth now takes the matter into her own hands. And she says to him, I am your servant. Spread the, the corner of your garment, or I can also be translated, your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Again, there was nothing untoward in this suggestion. She was simply coming to Boaz and requesting that Boaz take her as his wife and provide for her and provide for the family line. Give them security. Uh, what a wonderful uh, request it was for Ruth to bring. And it was a request of faith. It's not too much verging into speculation, which we're always careful of doing, to consider and reflect what was Ruth barren at this stage. Uh, she's been married and she has no family. There's no one to continue the family line. Um, was this therefore a, a request of faith? Take me as your wife. And God will bless this with a, with a future line. It, it was certainly a request that was couched in Bible language, showing again something of the wonderful teaching that Ruth, this Moabite, us, had received. In Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 8, when God was speaking of his, of his own people in their waywardness and reminding them of his love, he said, I spread the corner of my garment over you. And Ruth is picking up those wonderfully rich uh, biblical terms and covenant language. And she's doing something even more than that. Uh, she's matching Boaz's own words. If you look back in chapter 2 and 12, if you've got your Bible, Boaz, the first time when he had met Ruth, had prayed for her and blessed her and said, uh, 2.12, The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And Ruth is not only picking up on these, this wonderful covenant language that God has made of his people, but she's also picking up on Boaz's own words. She's saying to Boaz, you prayed a blessing on me. You asked God to reward, to reward me. You asked God to provide and redeem me and provide a line. And I'm asking you to be the answer to your own prayer. What a wonderful illustration this story and plot line is. Here is this needy woman. And she's approaching Boaz, the, the Redeemer. And it's an illustration, uh, at the very least, of all needy men and women approaching the Lord Jesus Christ, the one whom Boaz was just a, a dim, faint picture of. 
for Ruth, there will be no blessing apart from Boaz. And for men and women, apart from Jesus Christ, there is no real lasting blessing. We sometimes think of uh, people being blessed and that's simply a provision of all the good things of life. Well, it is that, but it's more, that, more than that. To be blessed of God is to have the reverse of being cursed. That's our situation by nature under the wrath of God. And there's no removal of the wrath without approaching our great kinsman, redeemer, Jesus Christ. Ruth had to approach Boaz for herself. She couldn't send someone else to do this job. And so must every man, woman, and child come personally to the greater Boaz, Jesus Christ. Ruth was going to the only one who could give the blessing of rest. And only Jesus Christ gives true rest to men and women. It's easy to see the application to the person perhaps listening, not yet a Christian? Have you gone to the greater Boaz, Jesus Christ? Have you been like, like, like Ruth, going in need to him? But there's also application to the Christian. Every day of our lives, we're in need of his rest. We're in need of his reassurance. We're in need of his strong, protecting hands. We're in need of his guidance. We're in need of his grace. What rest do you need this evening, Christian? And we're to be like Ruth, going to our kinsman, Jesus Christ. Oh, it took courage for Ruth to go to Boaz for this rest. And it'll take courage for the person not yet a Christian to go to Jesus Christ for rest. The courage to realize I have been wrong uh, and I'm admitting my, my wrong thoughts of Jesus Christ all these years and people might laugh. It'll take courage too for the Christian to say, we're finding all our rest in these tumultuous days in Jesus Christ. But maybe we say, would the greater Boaz receive me? Would the great Boaz give me rest? Well, that's the second thing we want to contemplate as we think of on this chapter and reflect on it. Not only seek the Redeemer for rest, but secondly, the Redeemer is ready and willing to give you rest. He's ready and willing to give rest. Already Ruth and Naomi, by this, this stage in the narrative, have received great encouragement from their Redeemer. They've received encouragement that Boaz will provide for them a greater rest. He has already provided them and showed them with great kindness. By the way, that's what God does every day to his unbelieving world. He is lavishing kindness upon kindness on men and women. 
encouraging men and women to come and find all their rest from their, the guilt and the power of sin in Jesus Christ. You listen to this and you're not yet a Christian. Look at all the kindnesses that God gives you. Have you had food to eat today? Have you had someone to embrace and love and someone to love you? It's the kindness of God and it's meant to bring you to repentance. Ruth and Naomi have been encouraged to seek more from Boaz. And so Boaz's response is no surprise to Ruth. In verse 10, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you've not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. Boaz was assuring Ruth that he would see to everything for her redemption, for her uh, provision and protection and for a line and for inheritance. How caring Boaz was. How gently he deals with this young woman who's come under the cover of darkness. What a man of integrity. Verse 14, she laid his feet until morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. That's just a little... A token of the integrity of the holiness of this man. How caring he was. He was a man also of the word of God. We read in verse 12, he says, Now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there's a redeemer nearer than I. He knows what God's word says. He knows what God had said about the closest redeemer being the first man that must have this opportunity. And Boaz won't sidestep or step over God's law. He sticks to the word of God. He was a man of abundant generosity. Verse 15, he says to Ruth before she heads home, bring the garment you're wearing and hold it out. So she held it and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went in to the city. That was this, uh, for those who are still working in old uh, uh, ways of measuring things. That was a six to seven stone bag, or it was a 40 kilogram weight. Can you imagine that? This uh, Ruth is a strong young woman, strong of character, strong of body, and she's going home with her coat with 40 kilograms of grain in it. Boaz was ready and willing to give uh, Ruth the rest that she requested. And this provision was another little uh, assurance for her. So here's Boaz. He's qualified to redeem. He is ready to redeem. He wants to help her. He's willing to help her. He has the ability to help her. And he gives this token of help as a gift, but look carefully at the, at the text. You'll see in verse 17, actually, who the grain is primarily for. In verse 17, uh, he says, these six measures of barley he gave to, or sorry, Ruth says to Naomi when, he, when she gets back, 
These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. It was a sign, not only for Ruth, but for Naomi, that what they longed for, a greater, fuller redemption, Boaz was ready to do. Some of the commentators would suggest that the, that the six measures of grain were deliberate. You know that the, word, that, the, that, the, that the number seven in the Bible is the perfect number, uh, symbolizing God in many ways. And here's Boaz, and he's, he's not giving the full um, uh, picture of the provision. Was Boaz saying here in this gift, I'll be the seed that will give you the air. I'll be the one who provide the fullness of provision. Whatever way it is, it's a wonderful drama being played out on the stage of history. And Boaz again, a deliberate, dim reflection of the greater Boaz, the one who come from his line, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, think of him and let your love for him be strengthened this evening. What a, a willing redeemer he was. Willing to leave the glory of heaven to see to everything. What a wonderfully qualified redeemer he is. A close relative taking our form so that he could take our place and keep God's law on our behalf and give us life then uh, to take the punishment that we deserved. What a superabounding redeemer our Boaz is, doing more than we could ask or imagine. Think of how you began to discover the Christian life, whether your conversion was as a little child and you were growing in your understanding or you can remember the time and when you were converted. You came firstly in understanding that God had pardoned you in Jesus Christ from all your sin. The guilt was gone. But as you grew you and the understanding of the scripture, you realized that his provision was, was superabounding. There was pardon, yes. But there was also place to the account of your life, the perfect life of Jesus Christ, so that he would declare you right with him forever. He would adopt you into his family and give you the sure and certain hope of heaven, super abounding redemption. What an enthusiastic redeemer our Boaz is. Come to me, his constant cry, the constant invitation of the scripture, his arms wide open, ready to receive all who come and call. Maybe someone listens to this and you've not yet come to him for redemption. But you've been seeing in these dark, difficult days your desperate situation, your very best as filthy rags, a growing sense of need. How can I be ready to meet God? And in this wonderful story, here's this picture of Jesus Christ, the one who's ready and willing to save. Maybe someone who listens and you've long rejected the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, but you wonder now, will he have you? 
when this Redeemer says, whoever comes to me, I'll never drive away. You can take him at his word. Maybe someone says, well, if you knew what I've done, I have a, I have a past. And the scriptures say of Jesus Christ that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and that he's able to save to the uttermost all who call on him. Oh, Jesus Christ is the redeemer of determination. Boaz a determination to provide for Ruth and all that she needed, but our Boaz has a greater, had a greater determination. You remember the roadblocks that he experienced, the wilderness temptations that Satan, when Satan came to try and knock him off track, the agony of Gethsemane as the weight of the cross weighed heavy on him. And yet on he went, determined to save, determined to die for all those whom the Father had given to him. The scriptures tell us that all who ask him, he'll make to be part of his bride. Look at this wonderful picture of Ruth, and she's making this request. Spread the corner of your garment over me. Be my covenant God. And that's what sinners are to ask of Jesus Christ. Spread your wings over me, Jesus Christ. Protect me from the wrath that I deserve. And as we do, we find that just like Ruth, there is no disappointment in the provision. It's far beyond what we could ever have imagined. And for the Christian, this is to be your life and to be my life. Every day coming to our Boaz, trusting him, bring him all our fears and tears, bring him all our troubles and trials, bring him all of our dashed hopes, and you'll find him to be a super abounding redeemer. Notice how the chapter ends. Ruth appears before Naomi, weighed down with Boaz's provision. And, and Naomi asks a question. I read it just as it's in, the, in our translation here, and then I'll tell you a little bit more literally. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did you fare, my daughter? Literally, the words that Naomi said, uh, said were, who are you? It was as if, Ruth, as if Ruth had been already wonderfully transformed by the provision of Boaz, beaming and radiating, sure of her future. And that's how the people of God are to shine in these dark days. But the world might be looking on and saying, who are you? Where did you find this provision? Where did you find this rest? And we'll tell them, we found it in our Boaz, our great Redeemer. Amen. We're going to sing and praise to God as we turn now to words from Psalm 62, the A version of this psalm. And we're singing the first large verse and then the verses Mark 4 to 6, 62a, 1 and 4 to 6, 
We sing unto the tune 52. My soul in silence waits for God. My Savior is proved. He only is my rock and tower. He saves. I'll not be moved. Verse 1 and 4 to 6. Let us praise God. My soul in silence waits for God. My Savior, He has proved. He scripture of Jesus Christ. We need them, mighty God. We pray that you would teach us more and more of him. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of God, the Holy Spirit, be with you all. Amen.